Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, we're going to be in the book of Matthew this morning, book of Matthew chapter 11. You can grab your Bible or use your smartphone to find it. As you're going there, Matthew chapter 11, I want to uh, share two conversations that happened this week. The first is a conversation that happened here at Jackson Road, and uh, I was on Sunday last week by the front doors, and I saw someone walking in that I knew that was incredible. Their life is just busy. Is anybody, your life is just busy? Raise your hand. Okay, many of you, probably at Grape Road, everybody raised their, like, it's just the culture we're in, but this one person I knew was incredibly busy, they were coming in, and I wanted to connect with them to see how they were doing. So they walked to the front door, and I said, hey, how are you doing? And he looked at me, and he said, these words are something close, I'm on empty. Oh. But then he smiled, and he said, but we'll just continue plugging along, we'll just get her done. And he walked on, and I, like my heart broke a little bit. I talked to him more, and he's doing okay, but he was on empty. And then fast forward on Tuesday, I spent some time with my mom and had to do a couple of errands around town, and we went to a specific business, and we had to sit down, and I could overhear a conversation of a woman next to us on the phone. And while she was on the phone, she was describing the pace of life. I think she used the word intolerable. Like just the pace and everything going on, it's hard to navigate and things are just coming so quickly and I'm not sure how to get on top of it. And I, I was like, whoa, two conversations in a week with people who are struggling. And so I did this completely unscientific thing. I posted a survey on social media on how rested people are. And some of you actually took this survey. But here's what I did. I wanted to find out if this general sense of I'm overwhelmed was uh, uh, like prevalent across everyone. And so here's the four questions, I, or the one question and four responses. How rested do you normally feel? That was the question, and here's what people could respond with. Well rested, ready for life. I'm okay in navigating things well. I'm not great but I'm getting life done, I'm empty and overwhelmed. Those are the four things you could have chosen. Many of you took this survey and so uh, posted it online. Within a minute, the first survey response came in and you know what they said? They were great and ready for life. Jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was my first, I love them, but that was my first response of, are you kidding me? Like right out of the gate, of course, they're ready for life. They're just out on Facebook, whatever. And they answered, great. But here's, after the whole week, the survey's actually still up, but throughout the week, people have been taking this. And what I learned is the great majority of people, if you put the survey back up, the great majority of people were not great, but they're getting life done or worse. Over half of you answered that you were not great, but getting life done. I would like to think that we could do better than that. That we could actually get to a point where we're okay, that we're rested, that we would be better than not great. But to get there, we have some things that are not helping us. And we talk about this very frequently at the Vineyard. We have things like the cell phone. 
that keeps us connected to our jobs, our families, our friends, social media accounts, Netflix, more information that we can absolutely digest in a lifetime, and it's all beckoning us to pay attention. And it's creating these situations like this. This is a picture of my son, Jack, and I, back when I worked at the hospital, and Jack would, oh, just look at that cute picture. That's Jack, my youngest one. He, he would come to work, and we'd have lunch, and he'd have an ice cream cone every now and again. It was great. But look closely at what I'm doing in that picture. I'm on my phone. I'm not in the moment. I actually have that picture in my office as a daily reminder of what not to do. Someone snapped that picture because they thought it was so cute. I'm not sure that they, they knew I was on the phone. And so I have it in my office because it's a reminder to stay in the moment. I, I lived, and sometimes I still do this, where a life of always on, constantly connected, accomplishing a lot, but I'm not sure if that's the life that God intends for us. And what I realized when I think back at that picture, and when I think back at the survey responses, what I started to think is, could I keep the pace of life that I currently have up for the next five years, for the next 10 years? For some of you, the next 20 or 30 years, can you keep your current? That's a question we should all uh, wrestle with. Here's a question. Can I keep my current pace forever? Think of your current pace. Can you keep that up forever? It's a good question. Some of us, including myself, I'm on this journey to find rest. Some of us need rest. Who needs rest in the room? Raise your hand. Yeah. We need rest. And guess what? Rest is something that God is interested in. He rested. Some of you know this. Many of you know this. At the beginning of creation, God creates the heavens, the earth. It's a busy six days. He's doing a lot. Genesis 2.2 says, by the seventh day, God had finished his work. He had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. He rested from all his work. Busy six days. On the seventh, God didn't do this. You know what? I created all that. Maybe I'll tinker with it. Maybe I'll tinker with what I've created. Even though it was perfect. Some of you, the whole rest of the sermon may not relate, but this one, you're a tinkerer. Instead of tinkering, you need to rest because that's what God did. God didn't go out and go, you know what? Instead of Adam naming all the animals, I'll just go do that and then I'll update Adam later with what I named them. He didn't do that. He rested the seventh day. He, he actually commands us to rest. Exodus 20, it's one of the Ten Commandments, says this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. In today's culture, how is that even done? Like, the world today does not get that at all. We'll touch on that in a couple of minutes, how we might be able to do that. I want to fast forward from the Old Testament to the New Testament, to Jesus. Jesus is interested in rest as well. He's doing a ton of ministry in the New Testament, and he frequently goes off by himself, spends time with God. In Mark 6.31, it says this. It says, then, because so many people were coming and going that 
they, the disciples and Jesus, did not even have a chance to eat. That's busy. He said to them, Jesus said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus is interested in rest. He does it. And I'm not sure if the pace of life, if everything that we're trying to accomplish is the pace of life that God would have for us. Many of us need margin to survive over the long term. So we're in this series called Margin, where we're trying to make space for a life that works. And today I want to talk about physical rest. Creating some margin where we learn how to rest. And as I was putting this together, what I was realizing is we live in a world today that it's go, 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 and the world is looking for a group of people to figure out how to rest well. There are really no good examples for it, and I think the church, it should be the best example for how to accomplish a lot and still be rested. And so my hope today is to pick out a couple of things in the book of Matthew that can help us and has helped me. I'm not perfect at this, but I want to share some things that I'm learning as well. We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 11. It's only three verses, very short. Jesus is doing great ministry at this time. And uh, he's actually talking about a number of things and ends this very large sermon with a little thing on rest at the end. He says, Matthew 11, 28, many of you have heard this before, come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In that, I think there are a couple of nuggets, a couple of points that point us to how to do rest better than we're doing. And actually, if you read a little bit past this section this week, what you'll, re- what you'll realize is Jesus, right after this, starts to talk about the Sabbath, a full day of rest. But first, before he talks about the Sabbath, it's almost like he says, hey, 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 everybody, before you start thinking about how to do rest or how to do a Sabbath well, a whole day, you need to figure out how to rest. And that's what those three verses are. So before I jump into those three verses and give my two points, let me pray. And actually, before I pray, sorry about that. I saw a bunch of heads go down and then pop up. What's Pastor Steve doing? Uh, if you need a, like you even saw the survey or you know we're talking about rest and you just know this is a sermon that probably deals with my situation and I need an extra blessing to super listen in to what's going on, can you raise your hand? Because I just want to pray a blessing. On, okay, yeah, be honest. Who needs a lot of rest? Because you're exhausted. All right, so God, for those who have raised their hand, I pray that you speak to each one of them uniquely. I pray for those at Grape Road who have their hands up. God, would you just come in power, open their ears and their minds and their hearts to this message. I pray for all of us, God, that we hear what you want us to hear, that we live differently than the world would have us live. Because we need margin. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, on your program on the back side, I've got a couple of things. The first is this, getting rest requires connecting to the right source. You can write that in, connecting to the right source. 
verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Jesus is speaking to crowds around towns there at Galilee. And uh, the crowds, life was not super easy for the crowds that were listening to Jesus. They were farmers. They were, uh, had a marketplace. Like life was busy for them. Not only that, when religious leaders would talk to them about a day of rest or rest in general, there were all sorts of rules. Do these things if you want to rest. Don't do these things. So even the concept of a Sabbath or a day of rest would have been like, oh, great, it's one more thing. It's not restful because I've got a whole list of to-dos and to-don'ts. And so for some of you, because this is even me at times, when I hear sermons on rest, I think, wonderful. One more thing to put on the to-do list. That's great. I get to hear about rest, and it's not restful at all. Right? I've had that. And that's the, that's the type of society that Jesus was talking to in the moment. But hang with me, because Jesus says, come to me. Come to him to get rest. Jesus didn't say, in the midst of that, hey, if you want to get rest, just take some you time. Go fishing. Hang out back at the house. Sit in your favorite chair. Have a beer or two. Watch Netflix. Chill out. It's going to be okay. Just take some you time. That's not what he said. He said, come to me. When I look back at the survey I created, I actually asked two questions. The first is, how rested are you? The second is, where do you find rest? And people could type in where they found rest. You want to hear what you guys typed in? Do you want to hear what you guys typed in? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, here's, here's how you guys find rest. And not all these are bad. Some of you uh, uh, put prayer. That's awesome. So not, not all these are bad. Here's some answers. How do you find rest? Coffee. Okay. Uh, bubble bath. That's nice. Netflix was up there as much as prayer or more. Uh, cleaning. So if that was you, if I could meet with you later and, f- and find you rest. No, no, that's uh, working out. Driving country roads because of less road rage. I get that. So none of those are bad, but here's the reality. As you all filled out the survey, over half of you were not okay. Only 14% of you were okay. Here's what this tells me. The things that you're finding rest in aren't giving you rest. It's not working. And the reason it's not working is because it's all about you. I want to step on a couple of toes. The things that you listed that find you rest are all about you, and that's not what Jesus wants. That's not what he says. He says, come to him. You can write this down. If it's all about you, you will never be satisfied. If it's all about you, you never be satisfied. Confession. I'm not perfect at this. I have gone out and, and spent me time, carved out time where it's just all about me. I have binged Netflix. 
I've drank lots of coffee, but the reality is there's not enough warm water for a bubble bath. There is not enough good shows on Netflix, and there is not enough uh, country road to drive to survive at the pace the world wants us to survive on for the next 5, 10, or 20 years. Amen? It just isn't working when we make it about us. Jesus says, come to him. Notice Jesus also doesn't say, go to other people. He doesn't say, hey, go to your, if you need rest, go to your pastor. If you need rest, go to your spouse or your friends. Go hang out and watch three hours worth of Avengers Endgame. None of those are necessarily bad, but the risk is, here's this fill in the blank. If your rest comes from others, it will be temporary and you will eventually become a burden. Let me say that again, because some of you are distracted because it's raining. (laughs) I don't know if it's raining at Grape Road, but the whole room was like, it's raining. (laughs) That's what the weather was supposed to do. Okay. If your rest comes from others, it will be temporary, and you will eventually become a burden. I want to make this practical. If my wife, Anne, who is amazing, if her rest only came from me, I could help in the short, like if, if she's down and she's just exhausted, I can help, I can pick up the house, I can do, but if every time her rest required me to do something, I will let her down, and at some point, it becomes a huge burden. You cannot do that to people. Your rest can only come from Jesus. All throughout the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, dozens of references, the rest that you're looking for, people, comes from God. I could have listed 20 verses. Here's just one of them, Jeremiah 31, 25. The Lord says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. We need that, but to get it, we have to connect to the right source. So here's a question. Am I connected to the right source to get rest? Or is it all about you? Getting rest requires connecting to the right source. Second thing I see in the text to get rest is this pausing personal accomplishments. I love that point. Pausing personal accomplishments. I'm going to unpack this throughout this whole point. And I want to start with this, verse 29. Jesus shares this verse. It's kind of a weird sentence, and he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't go around my week telling people to take my yoke or, hey, what yoke do you have on today? Or what, right? I, I, it's just not language we use today. And so I did some research and watched some, do you know you can watch YouTube videos of animals being yoked? What? And so anyway, that's what I did this week. Like, I want to learn about yoking animals. So I learned a couple of things. But if you didn't know, just for context, this is what a yoke is. This is an animal. This is an animal. This is an animal. Anyway, there's an animal. Oh, here it is. (laughs) Animal with a yoke. The yoke is the wooden thing, and it's placed on an animal. The cool thing about a yoke, when you put it on an animal like this, you can teach it to do great things. Like, you can teach it to do great things. The other thing I learned is animals don't have two yokes. They have one. 
Here's what I mean by that. Let's make it personal for a second. I am going to argue that every one of us are yoked to something. If I think back to my previous job, I was yoked to the culture of that job. And the culture was work a lot. The culture was work morning, noon, night, maybe on the weekends, be always connected because there might be an emergency. That was the yoke that I wore. Some of you are yoked to other people's emotions or expectations. Think about that. There are people in the room, you are yoked to your children's school and sports schedules. That's the yoke you're wearing. And you're getting pulled here and there, and you're not rested at all. Here's what else I learned about receiving a yoke. If we want the yoke that Jesus says, put my yoke on you because I'm going to teach you and give you rest, that's the yoke I want. So if we want that yoke, it's going to require a couple things because this is what I learned about yoking an animal. You can write this down. If you're going to be yoked, you have to be closely tied Receiving a yoke requires being closely tied. You cannot place a yoke on something that is running around. I never once saw an animal running in the farm and the farmer running after it going, oh, come here, I will place the yoke on you. What I I noticed on everything that I read or watched, the animal was tied up close to the farmer, ready to receive the yoke. But if I make this personal in our own lives, here's what I think is happening. We're running around to work. We're running to school. Oh, we've got church stuff. I've got to do the church stuff. Oh, we've got to do lawn because it's going to like rain for seven days. I've got to do this. Oh, my spouse. I've got to take care of my spouse and my kids. And God, I need rest. I want the yoke that you're talking about. Please place it on me. And I wonder if Jesus is just standing there going, I've got the yoke, but would you just stop? Can you just come over here and I will place it on you? But you were running around like a fool with someone else's yoke on you, and I can't get the yoke on you that I want to get on you. Psalm 127, one of my favorite psalms, says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over The city, the guards stand, watch in vain. In vain you rise early, stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Practically what this means is out of our own strength, we're trying to accomplish a lot. Out of our own strength, and we're exhausted, and we need to get close to God because he's the one who can help us out. We need to stop doing things out of our own strength all the time. Using Jesus as a model for this how to get closely tied thing. He was the perfect example. Luke 5, 16 says this. says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You can read it all throughout the New Testament. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's how he was closely tied to God the Father. And I love the word withdrew. And if you, if you look up the word withdrew, because that's what Jesus did to get connected to God, the word withdrew in the Greek is actually two words jammed together. And the two words are hypo, and the other word, kind of a fun one, is chorio. 
Hypo, the first part of withdraw is this, to get under. Like a hypodermic needle goes under the skin. Hypo, to, if you want to withdraw with God, you have to get under. Chorio, I love this. Second part of withdraw, chorio means this, to leave space which may be filled or occupied by another. To make room, give place, yield to have space or room for receiving. If you want to be closely tied to God, you have to get under his authority. And we need to stop going to God with a list of all our problems and wishes and dreams. Those are not bad. But many times we come to God almost like we're coming over him and saying, God, I have all these problems in my life. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm God. Like, I get it. I know you have those problems. I see it. God, I want all these things. Yeah, I know because I created you. He just wants us to get under him and get to a posture that we can receive the rest. That's withdrawing. It's being closely tied. For me, to get closely tied, I have this sentence that uh, just keeps me going as a reminder. It's on your program. And it's just a reminder for me. Maybe it'll help you. It's divert daily and withdraw weekly. If you want to be closely tied to God, there's no better thing to do than this. Diverting daily, time in your Bible. Diverting daily, time in prayer. For some of you who believe that the five minutes in the car on the way to work praying is enough, it's not. It's good. It will not sustain you. It will not be the rest that God wants to place on you because you're still yoked to something that's driving you to your next thing. Withdrawing weekly. I get this whole, how do I withdraw for an extended period of time during a week, during a culture that's so crazy, asking me to do all these. I get it. The world doesn't want to do it. The world's telling us to get all this stuff done. It's hard to do, but there's so much benefit to doing that. Without Diverting daily without withdrawing weekly, I'm not sure how we get close enough to God to get the yoke we want. The other thing I notice when uh, an- farmers put yokes on animals so they're, they're tied up close to the farmer, the other thing I see, you can write this in, the animals are still. You can write this in, being still. Receiving your yoke requires being still. I did not see an animal thrashing about, worrying about, oh, there's good grass over here. And, oh, I want to go back to the stable. And what about this other animal that I'm interested in? He was still all the time. It was peaceful. It's so hard to do. Trust me, I get it. When you, when you sit in a chair and go, God, I, I, I want the yoke that you're talking about. So I'm not going to come to you. But what am I doing? Am I just sitting there? Right? How do I sit and just be still with God? Kathy Smorella, some of you know Kathy. She's the overseer of spiritual development missions outreach here at the church. She and the rest of the staff are trying to figure out how to rest better. And she went out to spend time with God, diverting daily, trying to be still. And she wrote this on her personal blog. I'm going to read a little bit of it, and then I'll highlight this. I don't expect you to read it on the screen yet. But she says this. I do, what I, I do what I so often do while spending time with God, asking questions, trying to figure something out, meaning I come to God with a question, with a dilemma, with hopes that my reward for spending time with him would be an answer to my problem. 
And I figured out mid-walk what I was doing. Here's what she says. I heard God said to me, try not trying to figure out, to figure anything out. Try just spending some time with me, just to be with me. Instead of taking, like you're tied to God, just be still. It might seem odd, but just be still. Try that this week. And then when you think about withdrawing weekly, how do you do a, a whole day? So foreign in today's culture. How do you do a whole day of this? Uh, Joel Patterson and his wife Sarah, here's a picture of Joel and the kids. Sarah's behind the camera. I'm sure Sarah's smiling too. Um, they're trying to figure out, as well as the other staff, some other people, how do you Sabbath? How do you take a whole day of rest? And so they're exploring this, and she says, uh, Sarah says this, Joel and I have been diligent with our Sabbath, finally taking it seriously, and we're quickly seeing the benefits of it. You want to see, here's the benefits. Pay attention to this. I wanted to add some of the benefits. Less fighting between Joel and I because of no cooking. It's a time of week we eat out and eat leftovers, no yard work, no house projects. We allow ourselves just to sit and we prep the house on Saturday so that we can survive a day of no work. Some of you are like, how does that even work? Well, here's how it works in their house. They just sit and stare at one another for a whole day. <laughs> no, <laughs> Come on, they don't do that. They're out in relationship with one another. They're out talking to other people. They're having fun. They're enjoying one another. But it I know them, and it requires them to say no to some things. Some of you need to say no to sports who are telling you that you need to play six days on Sunday, on Saturday, and it's just too much. Some of you need to say no to your family and friends. And it also takes some prep. She prepped food beforehand so they can they plan so they can have rest. Marva Dawn, hang with me just a second more. Marva Dawn wrote a book, How to Keep the Sabbath Holy. Not H-O-L-Y, not holy that way, but holy is in like, how do you keep a whole Sabbath? It's an instruction book for how to do a day of rest with God. It's a, it's a great book. Marva Dawn actually spent some time in South Bend uh, many years ago, uh, and she writes this on how to keep the Sabbath and its benefit. A great benefit of Sabbath keeping is that we learn to let God take care of us, not by becoming passive and lazy, but in the freedom of giving up our feeble attempts to be God in our own lives. A major blessing of Sabbath keeping is that it forces us to rely on God for our future. On that day, we do nothing to create our own way. She goes on to say, we abstain from work, Look at this, from our incessant need to produce and accomplish, from all the anxieties about how we can be successful in all that we have to do to get ahead. And the result is we can let God be God in our lives. Here's the deal. Some of us are trying to accomplish so much that God never created us to accomplish that much in that amount of time. And when we get this right, when we understand that getting close to God, having him put the yoke on us so we can, the scripture says, so he can teach us, and when we can start to receive the rest that only he can give, it actually works. 
Like, I'm not perfect at this, but I'm way more rested than I was when I was morning and noon and night and running left and right. Way more rested than I ever was. Because here's the deal. I want to be yoked, and I hope you want to be yoked, to the one person, God, that is the best counselor, that is the best friend, that knows every one of your problems, that knows every one of the solutions to those problems. I want to be yoked to that person. I don't want to be yoked to anything else. But what it requires are these two things, connecting to the right source and pausing our personal accomplishments if we want that type of rest. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.